This is Enter VR, the podcast where we talk about all things virtual reality. I'm Chris Miranda, your host, and on today's show, I'm speaking with Jono Forbes. He is the creator, lead designer, programmer of this really cool VR experience called VRMT. Um, and first of all, Jono, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So what is VRMT? So it is a... VR first creation game and world building tool where you're building the world from the inside. So this is okay. So let, let me give you some backstory because this is something that I've been very passionate about looking for this particular application uh, slash experience in which you could create VR inside VR. Because ultimately, yeah. if VR is going to become the final medium that people keep you know saying that it will be, and I'm sure it will, we have to nail down this 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 um this particular aspect of it of creating things within it uh so you're doing that and you're doing something really cool that i tried at oculus connect um tell me more about it what how does it look and what 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 are you actually doing with it well so it the the exact interface the exact way that it works is you have this uh panel on your wrist, this kind of wrist-based computer, where you can select uh, what kind of objects you're going to make, and you have a, a bunch of presets to pick between, and then you also have a bunch of different tools to use, so there's like a, a sprayer tool that just sort of places things on the ground, there's a 3D paintbrush kind of thing where you just you know, paint, in the, paint in the air with whatever object you have selected, and then some manipulation tools, you know, move, rotate, scale, erase, that kind of stuff. This is all very early right now, but those are the basic basic things that I have working so far. Yeah, and from what I tried, I mean, it's it, it, you know, it, it's definitely a prototype, but the potential for it is very exciting to me. I think that you are doing something really innovative, uh, and I and I, I really got to commend you on, on on you know trying this out. Um, so thank you. Yeah, in terms of uh, the interface, so it, it's essentially you have a you have a panel on your wrist and you and you look down literally w with your head at, down at your wrist and you can see the th the different you know uh, things that you can do with with the world and so you know, you know tell me more about the inspiration behind this experience what made you want to create it and and you know talk to me more about the interface after that sure yeah uh so Generally, this has been a big uh, drive for me in designing games and experiences and, and tools is you know, making things with which people create stuff. Like I'm a, I'm a huge 3D art nerd. Um, I mean, I got started with Flash and then moved into Maya and then later into Unity. Uh, and I just really love the process a lot. And especially, especially Maya is where I really, um, I don't know, like found that the most profoundly of just like, wow, this thing is so much fun to use. And I wish that other people could experience this too. It just has this massive learning curve before you get fluent with it. And before you really just feel like, you know, I'm just going to make a tree over there and a house over there. You know, it, it takes years of, of learning before you can get to that point. Hmm. And once you kind of take that experience and make it approachable and make it fun and make it intuitive and something that people can just pick up and do without having to, you know, study this professional software for a long time. And then, and then specifically, um, I saw this short film world builder by Bruce Brannett mm -hmm. many years ago. Um, and I know that this film has been an inspiration for a lot of people in the field. I've, you know, found many other people who are like, Oh yeah, I saw that movie too. And I want to build that thing or I want that thing to exist. 
uh, you should, you know, everybody should go check it out. Um, but basically this guy is inside this just big empty void and he starts creating a kind of little Italian village, essentially a little town square. Uh, and it's all using, you know, pretty typical 3d modeling tools. Like he just starts with a block and I'm going to make this big, this big cube and then start extruding and, you know, pushing and pulling edges in and out of it and then ends up with buildings and, you know, surfaces and starts making some trees and, and goes through this whole process of building this environment with this extremely intuitive interface. And that interface was sort of the, the first inspiration for this project, or it is this you know, wrist based thing. You have this kind of holographic interface on his wrist mm-hmm. uh, with which he can do all these, all these crazy things. So I'd say that project specifically is what, you know, put this, this exact idea in my head. Very cool. And who is the intended audience? Who is your target audience in mind? Is it the professional? Is it the enthusiast? Is it the kindergarten who wants to, you want to <laughs> evolve the next evolution of finger painting? You want to take it to a whole nother level? Um. Uh, yes. Yes. All of the above. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. So when I, you know, when I introduced the project, I call it a creation game and world building tool. And I mean kind of two different things by that. So first you have creation game, you know, and Minecraft is the obvious example there of a big popular creation game. You know, it's a it's a game that is fun, that is for normal people, not professionals, who want to go into this experience and build stuff or experience stuff that other people have built. Uh, so that's that side of it. And then, you know, and world building, building experience, uh, world building tool, that I aim more at professionals. And that's been a a drive from day one with this project of I want people to be able to build art externally. Like if somebody's a 3d artist, they can go and build, you know, a new art for it, bring it into this program, bring it into VRMT, mm-hmm. use it to lay out their environment and then go take that environment and load it up into you know, unity or unreal or whatever environment that they're, that they're using. So I do want people to be able to use this in a, you know, game or 3d space or animation pipeline if they're so inclined so just remember i'm i am on your side i see it i know uh that this is going to be essential for vr as a whole so but i'm going to ask you questions that are devil's advocate kind of questions okay <laughs> yeah, please do so one of them being is why why use vr why can i just use my two desktop monitors and my mouse and keyboard and simply you know sit sit, sit on my butt and just you know n- not have to worry about having this heavy thing on my on on my neck yeah yeah uh well i think the the really obvious selling point or really obvious market for this would be architects and that's something i'm really taking seriously with this project of architecture tools which aren't there yet but very soon Mm -hmm. um you know that's something that when you when you talk about building a house you you can picture an architect sitting there with Archicad or Revit or you know the old-fashioned drafting board, and having this you know most of the time a top-down blueprint view, and you can also you know in the modern tools render it and see a 3D visualization of it. But that's still such a different experience than being inside the building, being inside the space that you're constructing. And for that reason, a lot of architecture firms will actually build part of the building 
in a, in a test lot and actually go through the construction process of like, all right, we're going to build the lobby of this hotel just to make, excuse me, just to make sure that it actually, you know, works and feels good. And then, you know, more recently they're starting to get into VR of, you know, let's, let's build this model. And then maybe it's a model we build in Revit and then go import it into unity and then bring the OVR SDK in and be able to look around in VR in it. Uh, But even that is a, even architects who are working in VR right now, it's still a roundabout process where they say, okay, I'm working in Revit. I bring it to Unity. I go into VR. I can look around and say, oh, that wall is too close. Let me go back to Revit and restart the whole process. When, you know, what everybody wants is I should just be able to go push that wall further away. Mm-hmm. While, while I'm inside the space, I should be able to manipulate the space because this is how it actually is going to feel. And I want to be designing it as it should actually feel, not in this kind of abstracted blueprint sort of way. So, so again, that's sort of the, the obvious use case of when you would want to design something from the inside with true scale, like VR gives you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think that, you know, the same is still true for designing a 3d space that other people are going to experience in VR. You know, if I'm building a, a big game that has, you know, it's, it's a VR game, it's all in 3d, of course, uh, you know, currently the process is I'm laying this out in Unity or Unreal or whatever, and then I hit run and I go and run through it and I say to myself, oh, that thing that looked good when I was, you know, working on my 2D monitor, uh, now I see that it's too small, it's too big, it's, you know, not touching the ground, whatever the case may be. You know, you, you see these issues when you're in VR that you don't see if you're working on it in 2D. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it, it's, it's currently a convoluted process where like, okay, let me pop out of the rift and take some notes. That thing has to move, you know, half a centimeter to the right or whatever, and then go back into the level editor and fix that and then go back and test it again. So, you know, like the architect's example, I think that it would be, I think everybody just wants that to be an interactive experience where you can make the changes real time as you're looking at them. Cool. What's your ultimate goal? What's your, when this project is all, all said and done, you know, what sets of features do you think will be included and can people expect well, yeah, I brought up the architecture stuff, and that's that's definitely my my next stop on it. Um, and by that, I mean walls and stairs and bridges and these sorts of um, spans, for lack of a better term. Hmm. Um, again, because I think architecture is a place that this would really shine. I think that this, you know, this also would would be helpful for designing games and that sort of stuff. But I think that. Um, you know, people who are designing spaces that people are actually going to inhabit in real life are going to really gravitate to it. So that's part of the reason that I'm focusing right now on making those architecture tools. Uh, also, multiplayer to me is sort of a no-brainer. Like multiplayer in VR is just so cool, and being able to create a space collaboratively with other people is very cool. You know, we don't think we really have any examples of that in VR right now. Um, I guess Make VR from Sixth Sense does, but that's not out yet. Um, but you know, again, coming back to Minecraft, like it's, it's so much fun to, to build stuff with other people. So that's, that's definitely happening. Yeah. I'm excited um, about the yeah. multiplayer one, but yeah, continue, please. Uh, yeah, I'm just going back to the website right now to remind myself, all right, what did I promise recently? Uh, so <laughs> another thing is a, this is very tentative and speculative, but I would, I would love to do a Python layer inside it, Python, the programming language. Mm-hmm. Where I'm thinking of this specifically for the tools, I want to implement those all in Python and then give you a, a little text editor in the in VRMT. 
uh, where you know, if, if somebody is inclined, if somebody is a programmer, they can go and open up the source to a tool and change the way it works or go add a new tool because you know the, the tools really do define how you're able to interact with stuff. And it is pretty limiting to say, like, here are the four or five or six tools that you possibly have at your disposal. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if this is really going to be as flexible as I want it to be, I think people are going to have to be able to add their own tools, their own behaviors that I haven't thought of or hadn't, you know, wasn't designing for. Um, and then also I would love to do, I'd love to do something like, again, to come back to Minecraft, the uh, redstone system that they have in Minecraft, this electrical wiring system where you can basically script these, these, uh, interactions where you say, you know, when I press this button, go open that door Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, and that would kind of open the, open the doors, I think, to, Letting not necessarily professionals, but you know the the non-professional part of the audience who I hope will use this this experience, let them design experiences for fun for other people. So I guess that'd be kind of a third tier of people who I hope are part of the audience here, who would be able to play these little these little games that other people have built inside of this tool and, using this tool. And you're using so you're utilizing this tool. Uh, using Unity, is this is this what it's built on top of? Yeah, it's built on top of Unity. It's a great engine. Yeah, I, I've heard only good things about Unity. So, yeah. how is it? How is it with Unity? How is Unity? Is is it responsive? Is it doing what you need to do? Is it you know, or are there any things that could improve with Unity in in the regards to with your particular application? Um. No, I don't think I've really had any issues. Uh, I mean, right now I haven't put the build out yet for this just because I'm having some specific bugs with Unity right now, Uh, but I don't hold that against Unity, and this is all new experimental stuff, Mm -hmm. so it's going to happen. But no, Unity's been really, really great to do this in. Uh, I've been using Unity for five years or so now, so I feel very comfortable and fluent with it, so it's it's very easy to iterate on and very, you know, very quick when I, when I have an idea, Oh, how would I do that? Okay, let me go stick it in. And, and there it is. I mean, I, I had this thing at a uh, demo night last night and on more than one occasion got some feedback where somebody just like, Oh, you know, this is cool, but I wish that it worked this way instead. I'm just like, all right, sure. Yeah, here, here you go. Let me make that change. And 30 seconds later, they're playing it. They're like, yep, thank you. That's the change I was looking for. Wow. Uh, so that, you know, that ability is really important to me and, and unity in my experience is, is really good at that That's cool. fast, fast turnaround. Well, tell me more about your background. What, what's, um, where, what part of the universe did you come out of? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I, I studied 3d animation in Maya. Uh, so that's why I talk about that with such, you know, warm memories. I nice. uh, studied that at a professional school. It was a one year, you know, 40 hours a week kind of situation. So a really intense year of learning Maya, uh, and before that was out, got hired up doing environment art for the uh, for the game engine branch of SolidWorks Dassault Systems, mm-hmm. and that's called 3D Via. Uh, and they they since then have kind of transitioned into focusing on simulation stuff um, because Unity has so thoroughly dominated the game engine space. Um, but yeah, did some environment stuff with them for a while, and then and then really shifted my focus. You know, I think. I think while I was while I was there working professionally as an environment artist, kind of came to this realization of like you know, if I want to 
build stuff, it's it's all up to the programmers to actually do it. Like I can I can make a cool environment, but if I have some sweet idea for a game or some you know interface that I want to make, I can't do that without a programmer without being a programmer. Uh, and luckily for me, I mean I had been programming for a long time. I got started with that much earlier. Um, so at that point, started to really focus on it a lot more. Um, and studied some computer science formally for just a little while, a year, uh, and then we started Defective Studios, our, our game studio. That is uh, myself and my business partner Matt Schoen, um said, you know, hey, this seems like something we could actually do. You know, there's lots of people making little games now, and this was, I think, right when Unity 2.0 came out, and we're like, hey, this this looks actually doable. Uh, yeah, and that was that was a number of years ago, and since then I've learned a lot about what's actually hard about making games as opposed to like just the technical part of making it work. Tell me um, about that. Tell me what is actually hard about making games. Oh, I mean the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think a lot of it, I think there's, there's a temptation. All right. So I, I saw a pitfall that I had made earlier in my life in a friend the other day, I was, I was talking to a friend and he's, he's telling me about this, this game idea that he wants to make. And, you know, he's going on for many minutes about this kind of very psychological, complex, abstract sort of idea. And it, and I'm, I'm thinking the whole time, just like, I can't picture what this looks and plays like, like it sounds cool. It, it's an interesting concept mm-hmm. and you're clearly passionate about it, but I don't have any picture in my head of like what, you know, how does the game work? How do I interact with it? Uh, and I think that is a trap that myself and many people just getting started in game development run into, of just like not thinking about it in a nuts and bolts level, thinking about it in this very abstract, lofty, dreamy sort of way. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'd say the biggest lesson that I've learned in these years trying to make games is it kind of comes down to keep it simple, stupid. Right? <laughs> just like make it, make it as quickly as you can make something that works as quickly as you can, just so you have something non-abstract. So you have something, you know, tangible that you can interact with and say, Oh, this you know worked like I expected it to work, or this doesn't work like I expected to work. Cause that's often the case where like, it sounds great on paper and then you try it and you're like, Oh, never mind. You know, I, mm. it didn't occur to me that this, this issue would happen, that, that this interaction would be awkward or that this isn't, you know, just doesn't translate when somebody tries to pick it up and play it. So yeah, the, that, that friend who was giving me this big spiel on how, how cool his game was going to be, I, I said to him, like, all right, you have one day to make it. What do you do? And he's just like, oh, shit. I had never thought of that. That's That changes everything. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's been my big lesson in making games. It's just like, do it in a day. Don't look at it as something that's going to take you, you know, the next year to make. Even yeah. if that is the case, you should still be able to do kind of the simplest possible approach to it that gets the point across and improves the viability of the concept in a couple hours yeah i feel like that's a a revolving theme with um beginner enthusiasts who want to create games slash vr experiences we just and i'm one of them i'm I'm very much guilty of it i i wanted to in the beginning i wanted to create giant 
worlds that would you know would would capture you and take you in and just you know cathedrals monuments of virtual reality and and yeah it's it becomes and, and then you start playing with unreal engine 4 or the engine itself and you realize that oh my god this is i i, I am chewing on something way bigger than uh, i could complete than i can uh take in so yeah it's you're right i think it's definitely about keeping it keeping it simple um yeah. So tell me more. Tell me to, I, I sort of interrupted you halfway through your uh, your your journey. So what what else happened after after your friend uh, told you about his game and and what? <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, that was that was just the other day. I was just reflecting on like, oh, I remember thinking like that back back in the day. Uh, so I mean, yeah, the, the journey is. I mean, in in a nutshell, we we've worked on a handful, a small handful of independent projects, and we've worked on a slightly larger handful of contract projects just to pay the bills and stay alive and not have to go get real jobs. Um, and that's that's been a variety of stuff. I mean, all the independent stuff, um, you know, there's, there's a few of us who work together and we all kind of come from different sorts of places and different mentalities. Uh, my, my mentality, as I, as I laid out earlier, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about this creation game idea and kind of all the, all the major projects that I've undertaken, independent projects that I've undertaken have all, in some way been this kind of a game mm-hmm. uh and the, the first one uh was a 3d side-scrolling platformer where you create the level as you play it mm-hmm. so it's kind of this like drawing interface where you're you're drawing in this platforming level uh and then the other current project we have right now is this game cosmonauts where it's it's basically 3d snake that's the most concise description of it you're flying around you're leaving this tail behind you you don't want to crash into your tail and it's all all in 3d nice um yeah, that's and that's pretty cool, and that is sort of a pared down vision of a of a grander goal that we've that we've had for a while of how cool would it be if you know one or many people are doing that where you have you know multiplayer 3D Snake, and then you have many people kind of playing like either Mario Kart or like an Infinite Runner on the tail, like racing along the tail, mm-hmm. uh, trying to catch up to the front. Um, so so again, that's kind of another outlet of this this idea of the players are creating the world for each other all the time. Yeah. And now and now with VRMT, I'm, I'm just kind of like cutting out the abstraction there. Just like, no, this is literally what it's about. You are creating the world. That's the whole point. Like, it's not even trying to be anything on top of that. It's just, you know, it's a thing for creating worlds. Sounds simple, uh, and I can definitely picture that inside my head. So, cool, yeah, a, a plus yeah, on that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and then the rest of the story is just uh, you know, a bunch of contract projects, and that's been a variety of stuff. Some, some mobile apps, some websites, uh, actually one VR app, which was which was great, getting paid to work on VR, so woohoo! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and that was actually for the Game Face headset, so that was really cool. That was, you know, before the Gear VR, there was the Game Face doing mobile VR. Yeah, I'm very much familiar with Ed Mason and the Game Face. Um, yep. Awesome. Yep, exactly. Tell me... Uh, um, where was I going to go with this? Why VR in the first place? What attracted you to virtual reality in the first place? What's the oh, allure? Man. I mean, it's the Holy Grail, right? <laughs> you, you know, I know you know. I know, uh, but I want to hear you say it. <laughs> I know, yeah, because obviously it's the Holy Grail. It's the final medium. Uh, I've wanted to do VR stuff since forever. I mean, you know, Oculus is awesome and the Rift is, is amazing, um, but obviously VR has been around for a long time. Uh, you know, I, I have been a nerd forever, shocking, I know, and have always been familiar with, you know, what 
what did happen in VR in the 80s and 90s, and moreover, kind of the inspiration for a lot of that, uh, the, the sci-fi around VR, you know, Snow Crash, and more recently Ready Player One, and um, Neuromancer, and, you know, all these all these great VR fictions that painted the picture of of, of where it, where it could go, and I'm, I'm currently halfway through um, Rainbow's End, and you know all all of these all of these fictions made it very clear of just like yes, this this technology is, you know, it, it is possible. It's not, at the time, it wasn't quite possible yet, but we know pretty much how it would work, and we will at some point be able to do it. And you know, I think there are a lot of technologies that that are technology in search of a of a use. I think VR is the exact opposite, like anybody could think of just like, Oh, there's so many cool things you could do with it. If only it existed. Mm -hmm. So I remember, I don't know, like seven years ago thinking about VR projects I'd like to do. And, and then when the, when the rift was, was announced, when the Kickstarter went up just right away, I'm like, yes, it's time. At last it is time. <laughs> so my it, people, it was, they was, call me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. So it was really a no brainer. Like I was, I was very much, um, looking, you know, just just waiting with bated breath for VR to happen again, and and when it did, it, it just you know, right away. Like, yes, I want to do this. How much of the 1980s, 1990s, um, you know, false start of VR do you carry with you, and does that affect how you view the future of VR right now? Uh, well, I didn't experience very much of that. Okay. Uh, I mean, I was I was born in '88, so I. Oh, you know, I we're about the same age. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I don't mean that like. I was familiar with it in terms of, you know, having worked with it in the past, just that I knew it had existed and just the technology wasn't ready yet. Um, a little bit that I have gotten to experience, uh, I don't know. I, I remember always having the the takeaway of just like, nah, like this isn't it. This isn't what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like it, It's not compact enough. It's not good enough. It's not low enough latency. It's, you know, all, all the problems. Um and then, you know, as opposed to the first time I tried the Rift, I think I had a very different reaction than many people when they tried the Rift. I think a lot of people, the first time they got in it, they were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is awesome. That was me. My reaction? Yeah, of course. <laughs> not that. I think it was, it was pretty much everybody. Uh, I think my reaction was a little more muted. Mine was I put it on. And I'm like, yep, here we go. Okay. <laughs> this is it. Like, finally, finally, this is it. It's, it's happened. Uh, and again, I think that comes from just like having thought so much about VR already. Like I knew what it should look like. I knew what it should do. And then when I got to try it at last with the Rift, the DK1, just like, yes, it is time. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell me about uh, what have you discovered in creating for VR? You know, what sorts of uh, problems, technical difficulties, or just sort of oddities stand out uh, in terms of creating for VR that you don't see in the legacy paradigm? Well, I think, you know, of, of course, interface is, is the big curveball. Um, I mean, I, a, a lot of people always ask me when I'm, when I'm demoing the project, people will come up to me and just like, oh, so how do you, you know, how do you make stuff for VR? Like, I work with Unity, how would I start making stuff with VR? And I'm just like, oh, it's, it's incredibly easy. Just like, get the SDK, drop the prefab in, there you go. Like, now, now you're in your scene in VR. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's not the hard part. The hard part is the, the design of the thing is like, you know, all the, the interface that you're using right now pretty much across the board is not going to work. When you when you get into VR, so you got to think about that from the ground up. 
uh, and I think, you know, so our, our last game, Cosmonauts, uh, we started as a, as a, actually kind of started as a mobile game and then it turned into a PC game as a game that was clearly better. Uh, but then, then we added the Rift support, so it's very much a retrofit uh, to get to get it into VR. And you know, I experienced what I think everybody experiences who goes through that of just like, wow, porting to VR is not always the right the right choice, or is most most often is not really a good option. I think with Cosmonauts it worked okay because you know, again, we're kind of thinking ahead to VR and, and planning planning around it. Um, but with this project with VRMT. You know, I, I very consciously decided at the outset this is going to be a VR first project. It's not going to be VR exclusive forever, but at least for a while it's going to be VR exclusive, and the the non VR version of it is going to be a port of the VR version rather than the other way. Again, because just like it's so hard to take an interface that works well on a screen and adapt that into full 3D space, mm-hmm. and that's that's been the big the big challenge for sure. If you could go back, uh, um, a, you know, six months, uh, nine months into the past, uh, you know, what sort of um, lessons would you teach your past self about creating for VR? Like, what's something that you've learned that you 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 wish you had learned back, you know, six months, nine months ago? Hmm, that's a good question. Um. I don't know. I can't say there've been any major, major upsets. I mean, I think again, like this, this wasn't my first VR project. This was my third or fourth VR project. Um, so I think by the time I started this project, I, I kind of knew going in like what would or wouldn't work. Um, I think there, there are a lot of things that I'm still yet to get right. Uh, in particular, because I don't get motion sick and I know most people do. So I have a really hard time, testing those things. And I think there are still some things that are going to make people sick. Maybe, I mean, hopefully not. Uh, but I'm prepared to hear people say, Oh, I always get sick, you know, when I'm flying and I do a loop or something like that and have to start to work that into the, into the design better. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, I guess don't always update to the latest SDK on day zero and expect everything to be fine. <laughs> maybe, mm-hmm. Like that's, that's definitely been a theme of just like, all right, there's a new SDK. I'll go, go implement it. Oh crap. It doesn't work with the version of unity I'm using or like, you know, or the version of the sixth sense SDK I'm using or, or that, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, there, I, I wouldn't say in this project, there have been any like huge revelations. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe resolution dependent stuff. I mean, there's, there's some aspects of the GUI that, of, of the UI that don't really work that well just because the the buttons are too small and the <laughs> pixels are too small mm. pixels are too big rather right yeah nothing nothing crazy okay why well, i was gonna so i'm wondering about your motivations you know why are you where, where do you see yourself you know five ten years from now and what's what's motivating you is it is it the riches? Is it the the potential mating uh, opportunities? Uh, because we are nothing but mammals. Um, or is it the you know I, I, you know the, the the fame, the glory? You know what's what's motivating you? Uh, I mean, you know, again, I've I've been really passionate about this this creation game idea for forever. I mean, this has always been the kind of stuff that I want to build, uh, and that's that's really what keeps me going on these things 
And that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. I'm just like, I, I want to create cool shit and I want to give other people the, the tools to create cool shit. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. It, it would be great to get a billion dollars. That would be, that would be wonderful. That would definitely uh, make things less scary in terms of like, Oh God, when, you know, when am I going to be able to make any money off this thing? Um, but you know, that to me is definitely an afterthought and, and just a, you know, I need money to support myself and to keep living and to keep being able to work on cool stuff. Mm-hmm. But the working on cool stuff is definitely the point to me. Uh, so you asked, you know, in, in five or 10 years, where, where do I want to be? Uh, I hope to, I hope to be still working on cool stuff and still working at the, at the edge of technology. Um, you know, I'm very passionate about working on obviously VR specifically, uh, but also just, I love technology and I love the, the newest craziest thing and just seeing what you can do with it. Cause that's really where the, where the opportunities live and where the cool ideas live because, you know, try making a innovative mobile game these days. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you know, the ideas have been had. It's <laughs> like very there's, saturated. There's yeah. Yeah. It's very saturated. And, and therefore like, almost anything you could think of has already been done. Mm-hmm. But if you look at VR, that's not really the case yet because, you know, there, there are still so many rocks left unturned and so many, so many things to explore and figure out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think in, in 10 years, I think VR is going to be very mature and I hope to still be very active in VR and still be making cool stuff in VR. But I also hope to be, you know, digging into to whatever crazy technology is opening up new options at that time. I think you know maybe that's going to be finally the dawn of usable AR, or maybe it's going to be you know brain jacks. We'll, we'll see what it is. <laughs> I hope to be working in that cool space as well as you know awesome VR stuff. So you mentioned something earlier about the you know the making money aspect of it is sort of an afterthought. Let's bring that afterthought to the foreground because that okay. is somewhat important. I figured how how are you going to make money with this thing with with VR, and how long do you think it'll be before you're you're, you're making some income. Yeah. Well, the, the immediate, the immediate money-making opportunity to me obviously seems like Kickstarter. Like that seems to be where everybody turns with like, Hey, I have this cool thing that, you know, is not yet ready to make money. But if, you know, if it gets to a point in another few months, then, then maybe yes. So hopefully people can, uh, support it that way. So I'm definitely taking that seriously. Um, but in terms of the kind of business plan, that I've thought about so far for this project. Um, I intend as soon as possible, like you know, today, if I can, uh, to put it out and put it out for free and to keep it that way for as long as possible. So I mentioned earlier uh, that I, that I do want this to be usable by professionals, be that, uh, you know, 3d artists can make new art packs that they can bring into this, tool, bring into VRMT uh, for themselves or others to lay out environments. And I think that that opens up a, a market that, you know, hopefully is agreeable to everybody where, you know, like the Unity Asset Store or the Steam Workshop, I would really love to have this marketplace where uh, creators can share and sell to each other their, their stuff, namely, namely art packs, you know, maybe also environments, like if people have some just like I, I made this whole game inside this thing, you know, maybe they want to go sell that for a buck or two on the uh, VRMT workshop, whatever we're gonna call it. Um, 
and I would I would want to take pretty much the standard model there of you know, take thirty percent of the of the revenue coming out of that. Um, but again, providing people a way to use this as a way that they can make money, and then hopefully we can make a little bit on top of that in that transaction. Sounds like a pretty sound model. The, the straight, sorry. Sounds like a pretty sound model. I feel like it's it's something that's been utilized uh, by but by, by a bunch of companies. So sorry to interrupt. Please go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and then, you know, obviously if that doesn't work out, obviously there is always the option of just selling the thing flat out. Like this costs, you know, 20 bucks. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'd, I'd much rather make the, you know, the playing aspect of it free and then have this, this marketplace on top of it that people can use to share their stuff. Very cool. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I like that. I, 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 I hope, uh, do you have an idea, which one would you ideally pick if you had to choose? Oh, definitely the marketplace one. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd much rather take out the barrier to entry and let people just get into it, you know, for free without putting that paywall there, um, and then, you know, again, be be making money as as a utility, basically, of like, you know, we can we can enable other people to make income through that kind of marketplace model, and then we also can make income from from a slice of that. So that to me seems like a much more like you know community friendly way to do things. Yeah, I think it sounds pretty sound. What about input? How are people going to interact with this VR creation yeah. tool? Yeah, the elephant in the room. Yeah. <laughs> input to come up. Yeah, uh, right now it's using hydras, and you know those things are super rare and can be very expensive. I was very lucky to get mine on Woot for forty bucks, which was awesome. Wow. And then those broke because I carried them around too much demoing this thing. And then a friend of mine, Mike Schenk, big props to him, sold me his. So I understand that hydras are hard to get your hands on, no pun intended. Uh, but, of course, supporting hydra means that it'll support the stem whenever that's ready to go. They, they say next month. I'm not sure if I believe them. Uh, but whenever the stem is ready, this will support stem. Uh, and I've been playing recently with the leap, the mounted leap. And my initial reaction is that that's less viable than I was hoping. Um, but I think that there's still going to be some, some option there. So all of the above, <laughs> hopefully any input people have, but you know, any input that uses hands would be best. What about keyboard and mouse? Um, and I say this yeah. because I've tried Kilman and Hackett's tilt brush and oh, cool. they're, they're using uh, keyboard and mouse and, I like it. It works. Um, it's 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 because the the cool thing about the Hydra is that it adds more immers immersiveness. You you know you look down at your hands and I'm like yeah um, God hands. But at the same time, my non my non masturbating arm gets really tired after a while. <laughs> So, so, so I have to like, you know, like I have to uh, uh, adapt and I wonder, you know, I wonder if you're considering, you know, integrating some form of keyboard and mouse, uh, input, because I feel like if I feel like tilt brush is pretty successful at it. I, I wonder if you, if you, I, I wonder, I think you could, you could probably nail it. You know, what do you think? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking more now about how to utilize the masturbation arm, um, <laughs> but, but no, uh, keyboard mouse, I can't say I've really taken keyboard mouse seriously yet. I mean, that's interesting. The tilt brush works well with it. I haven't gotten to try that yet, but obviously I'm very interested in it. Uh, I thought that they used a Wacom tablet. 
Uh, did try they? I tried it with keyboard and mouse. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure either way it works. Uh, I don't know. My gut reaction is I would expect that to work better in Tilt Brush because from what I've seen of it, again, I'm not used to it. I've just seen their videos and they're awesome. Uh, from what I've seen of it, it looks like you're not so much in this full 3D surround space. It's more like, you know, you're, you're looking forward at your canvas Mm -hmm. kind of in the same way that you're looking forward at a, at a monitor. Obviously, obviously not. I, I know it's 3D and it's VR and it's, and it's amazing. But my point being that like your bodily rotation in Tilt Brush, as far as I've seen, doesn't change. And that's my big beef with keyboard and mouse in VR is that you know if you're in, in VR and you have an avatar that can turn around, then you're kind of keeping track of two different orientations at the same time. You're keeping track of which way you're facing in VR and also which way you're facing in RR, which, you know, where your keyboard is, where your computer is in real life. Mm -hmm. So I think it works in Tilt Brush again because you're not turning your body as far as I know. And you're kind of just always facing forward. Uh, so I, my gut reaction is it wouldn't work as well in this. But I am curious to try it i mean I, I do actually have keyboard controls working i don't i don't advertise that or uh i'm not planning on distributing that anytime soon but we do have it working just for internal testing so like we don't always have to run it in in vr with hydras all the time when we're testing like sometimes i work on it on the subway which obviously you're not going to work with a rift and hydras on the subway um and yeah i mean it feels it feels okay but you you're definitely aware of both of those physical, you know, the physical and the virtual orientation at the same time, which, which definitely takes, takes the immersion down a couple notches. Mm -hmm. I wonder what it, what do you think it'll take for the, um, for keyboard and mouse or more, or more uh, lazier, like sort of input because uh, I'll be honest, I'm lazy. I have to, I, I, I'll be, you know, I'll be waving my, my arms around or I'll have my arms in front of me for a little while, but then I, I might get tired after 10 minutes. You know, what do you, yeah. you know, is, I wonder if there's an, a, 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 again, lazier, easier way to, to stay in there in prolonged periods of time, because that's the thing that I want to do. I want to be there for hours and I want to stay creating for hours. And so I figured, you know, I wonder what, what would help me stay there for as long as I, that, that amount of time. Yeah. Um, I mean, for one thing, I, th I think there is a lazy way to use hydras. You know, when, when people pick this up, a lot of times they have their hands out in front of their face mm -hmm. and they're, you know, they're getting that gorilla arm eventually. Um, I gotta say when I'm testing this in VR with the hydras, often I just leave the, like my hands in my lap. Like I'm not holding my hands up. I'm holding my hands in my lap. And oh. I'm just kind of like moving around and doing stuff. And every now and then I'll, you know, rotate them a little bit to, to point the direction I want to point. Um, but, but obviously that's not really the experience that I'm necessarily designing for. Of course, holding them out in front of you and really being interactive with your hands is more the idea. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I haven't done gamepad support yet, but I would like to add that as an option. Um, and I think that this project is probably pretty incompatible with Gear VR, but I, I would like to think about that being an option. And of course, there you're really limited by by input because it's you know it's either just the headset or it's the headset plus a gamepad. Mm. So I would like to make that work, you know, maybe for that platform and and generally just, you know, in general, I, would, I do want people who don't have hydras or leaps or any sort of specialty input to be able to use a gamepad or a keyboard and mouse if they must. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be an option. Um, I mean, that definitely 
cuts out a few of the tools, a few of the things you can do with it. You can't really do if you don't have motion control. I'm thinking specifically about the 3D brush where you, you're, you're, you're making, you know, blobs, you're making whatever object at your hands position. Okay. Um, so that just, you know, doesn't translate to non-motion control. So it, it would definitely be a experience that's lacking a few of the features, but it would still, it would still work. What's your what's your strategy to um, foster and and to continue to grow the adoption rate once you release for this project? For mm-hmm. Yeah, general. like like so. How how would you how how would you go about you know spreading the word? Well, you're doing one of them right now, but it'll, but also <laughs> like uh, you know fostering the community around the application slash tool. You know how how would you do that? Yeah. Uh, well, I think that one, I think the creation games kind of have a, a built-in advantage over um, more linear preset games in that you know people are building their own content with it and then probably want to share that with people. They want to show somebody, hey, look at this you know, video or picture or come into the world and look at this thing. Uh, so I definitely want to encourage that. And um, in, in Cosmonauts, we have some sharing options in there where after you've finished the level and you've made this big crazy snake not out of the level, then there are some buttons there for like, you know, go share a screenshot on Facebook, Twitter, Google plus, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we'll build in that kind of social feature in this of like, you know, do you want to upload a video or an, or an image? Like just, you know, press this button and bam, you got a share button. Um, so I, I would hope that that would be the primary method of spreading the word is, you know, giving people the tools to spread the word themselves. And then, Obviously, you know, doing this doing this kind of thing doesn't hurt. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, yeah, that's uh, another elephant in the room is MT. What does MT stand for? I should have asked this like forty five <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> I'm not saying. <laughs> oh, really? It's a secret. Uh, I mean, this this is a working title. VRMT is is definitely a working title. I, you know, there there came the point when I first wanted to show it off at the Boston Festival of Indie Games here mm-hmm. here in Boston. And I was just like, well, it needs to have a name. Like, it's going to be in the program. It has to have a name. Until that point, I was just calling it the VR World Builder or the VR Maker or something like that. Um, but now I'm like, all right, it has to have some name. And um, you know, a bunch of friends and I kind of jammed on names for a while and didn't really come up with anything that, that really stuck. And, and part of the issue is that it has to be kind of generic, mm-hmm. like – one of the, one of the core ideas here is that you can you can swap out the art pack. You can swap all the art wholesale. So right now, like the the default art pack is this this Japanese garden, and then you can swap it into this kind of alternate garden where you have just a, a different set of garden props, and then you can swap it again to uh, the the cosmonauts or our other games art. Um, and I want to foster that idea of just like, you know, this isn't the garden simulator, this is whatever sort of art you want to put into it and whatever sort of thing you want to build with it kind of thing, you know, in, in the way that, you know, a, a tool like unity, for example, isn't like the FPS maker or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's been challenging to come up with a name that doesn't limit it in some way or sound too vague. <laughs> like for a while, it's like, all right, like world builder VR, like, nah, <laughs> that just sounds too vanilla. Like, Needs to be something more interesting than that. Um, so VRMT is a an internal working title. It was, it was again, I'm not going to say what the acronym stands for, but uh, the full phrase is 
like the first thing, the first day that I was like, I'm going to jam this project out and I have to call the Unity project something. <laughs> and that contracts down to VRMT. Uh, so again, it doesn't exactly stand for anything right now. And I'm just kind of, you know, hoping that in time a better name will emerge. <laughs> well, I, well, I like the ring to it. I really do. VRMT sounds like it's, yeah, it, sounds, it, it rolls off the tongue quite well. Um, uh-huh. VRMT. It, I, I sort of want to throw a, a couple guesses like VR, virtual reality, macros technology, <laughs> virtual reality, Minecraft tech, or virtual reality. Mm, I give up on that one, but that I see where you... <laughs> masturbation tool. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, I I like where you're going with with at least and yeah, it rolls off the tongue quite well. I used to have a a podcast where I had the acronym. Uh, it was ATM with Chris Miranda, and I didn't want to tell anybody what the ATM stood for. So, yeah, I I sort of know what your what your uh, where you're going. You know what I mean? And, and, and see what you just did there is exactly what I'm what I'm hoping for here. Just like, what do you think MT stands for? Go ahead and tell me what this thing's called because I don't know yet. <laughs> so I kind of want to leave the options open as part of why I don't want to say what it actually originally stood for. No worries. No worries. Uh, well, are you a gamer or do you play games much? Yeah. Yeah, of course. What are your favorite games of all time? I have to ask. Name oh, five. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, let's see. Some Some... Long, long time favorites that I've played a lot of have been obviously Half Life, you know, Half Life Two, especially Episode Two, are are great. Um, I've played a ton of Burnout Paradise, the card game. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I've loved the Burnout series, and I think Paradise was just the the pinnacle of it, like the, just the greatest thing. And I would just spend hours driving around that that city and that environment. So much fun. Um, I think Braid really you know influenced me a lot i think that was the game that really started you know me and and many people got us thinking seriously about like oh man like a couple of people can make a really compelling little game uh so that one's definitely been a favorite and very influential um i've been i'm like halfway through last of us remastered right now and that that is definitely well positioned to get onto the list nice and and no, I'd, I'd be totally lying if I didn't say that Minecraft has has been a huge, huge amount of my gaming time. Obviously, I've played a ton of Minecraft. Nice. Uh, what, what's different about the Last of Us Remastered Edition? I've played it on the PS3, and it was it was awesome. But I wonder what what do you think is different on this on this different on this iteration? Uh, I never played the first one. I didn't play it on PS3. Okay. Um. So I can't directly compare, but I've definitely seen some side by side screenshots where you know it just higher res textures all over the place. Um, mm. I, th- I think that the in-game character models in Remastered are the cinematic models from the PS3 edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of times when I'm walking around in the world, I'll just like jam the camera up against a wall so I can look at Joel's face and just be like, damn, look at the detail. <laughs> so, I- so I think the characters are much, much higher res in the Remastered one. That's awesome. Can you see the pores on his face yet, or are they not that detailed yet? Uh, I often get in a disagreement with the camera about the uh, depth of field, <laughs> so <laughs> most of the time it kind of like blurs the face a little too hard to see the pores. But no, I, I think that it, it does, I'm trying to remember back to it, I think it does actually show the pores wow. in-game. So yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah, that, that is intense. Is there a game that you'd like to relive, relive in VR? Hmm. Well, 
I think many of my favorites I have gotten to relive in VR, like Half-Life and like Minecraft. Um, I'd like to try Burnout Paradise VR. That would be crazy. Um, that'd be really crazy and probably really traumatic. Yeah. Um, I see. I, I, I just was thinking about uh, Braid again, and that seems like the the last possible contender. You know, a, a 2D side-scrolling game seems like the last possible contender. But do you remember the, what was it called? Mega Man something something, Super Mega Man, the, the VR demo like back in the early DK1 days. Super Mega Mega, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I want to see more games like that, and I kind of want to revisit my um, you know side-scrolling game that I mentioned earlier, a platforming game, uh, and do that in VR like from a, from kind of that perspective that Super Mega Man had. Um, where you know you're you're looking you're looking at this uh, platformer level and you can you know look left and right and I, I really liked what they did in that game where it's like all in a cylinder around you I thought that was really clever yes that's a so, yeah that's a good game that was a yeah I wonder what happened to them hmm. yeah no I, I, I was getting their new builds for a while I haven't seen anything in, in a bit though they should they should listen to this podcast to tell us I yeah I will go find them now uh that's yeah that's awesome I. Hmm. Have you played any games recently? What's the most recent game you've played? Most recent game I've played must have been the new Monument Valley levels. Monument Valley? What? What is that? Oh, you don't know Monument Valley, dude. It's an awesome, awesome mobile game. Yeah, it's it's a very beautiful, um, isometric, very M.C. Escher-esque mobile game. It's this kind of like you know, tap-to-move um, but it's it's all about optical illusion and making levels out of a lot of the kind of famous M.C. Escher tropes, these you know space bending, impossible shape tropes. Um, yeah, and this this game came out I don't know sometime in the last in the last year, and it it's really just gorgeous. Like it's the kind of thing you could just take any frame and put it on your wall, and it would look beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, and then just the other day they put out some more levels to it, so that's the most recent thing I've played. Uh, mobile game. <laughs> it's a. Uh, what's your take on the mobile game versus console versus PC game sort of uh, paradox that we're in? Like, do you do you see mobile game? Do you see a world in which mobile games will, mobile games, PC and console will will always stay the same in terms of you know there there will always be console, there will always be PC, there will always be mobile, or do you think you know one will eat the other up or take in the other one up like what do you think that will look into you know what do you think this will look in 10 years like well i mean i think that game designers will always make games for all the platforms that are available and that are popular that people actually use uh so i think for as long as we have screens in our pockets there will be games on them i think for as long as we have tvs there will be games on them Mm -hmm. as long as we have computers there'll be games on them uh but also um and my, my business partner, Sean, uh, has been working on a game for Google Glass. So that that has really gotten me thinking about, like, yeah, just like any new display, input, whatever sort of sort of hardware that exists, people are going to make games for it. Um, and I think there'll, there'll be some convergence in terms of, you know, as computers keep getting smaller and, you know, what we call a mobile computer keeps getting, getting better, you know, I, I think we're pretty pretty close we're not we're not too many years away from when you could have a you know phone in your in your pocket or a computer in your pocket that has you know 
super high-end PC or PS4 level level graphics. Um, in terms of console versus PC, in terms of one of those going away, uh, I mean, I, I hope that the high-power workstation computer never goes away, and as long as that exists, then there will be high-power games to go with it. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of speculate on will consoles go away, and I, I don't know. Um, I, consoles do have the great advantage from a developer's perspective of, you know, you know exactly the hardware. Like, if you're building a game for the PS4, you know what a PS4 is, and everybody who has a PS4 has the same hardware. Mm-hmm. So you, you really can make this highly optimized experience, whereas when you're building a PC game, it's, you know, who knows? Like, who knows what, what people are going to be running it on? So I think there will always be a place for that, particularly because it's also so much easier for the consumer to deal with, for the non-technical person who just, you know, I, I just want a thing that plays games and watches Netflix. Like, they're going to want to have something that is just like, here, buy the, you know, the Steam Box 11, and, you know, it, it will always do all the things you need, no bullshit required. You know, you don't have to be able to go in there and replace the parts. So there's there's always going to be a market for that, Um you know, consumer who doesn't want to have to deal with the technology, but wants the benefits of it. And I would call that consoles. Mm -hmm. And I hope that that doesn't eclipse PCs. I mean, I'm I'm a little worried in the direction that kind of everything is going towards this whole, you know, no user serviceable parts future where it feels sometimes like it's becoming more and more rare to have control over your device. And I don't want that to happen for good. Yeah, that would suck. Uh, yeah. what do you think is the, what do you think will be the impact of virtual reality on these different platforms as the time goes on? So, you know, like, how do you think, what do you think it'll look like five years from now? And how do you think it'll look like 10 years? Like how will VR impact mobile consoles and PC? Yeah, I mean, I think VR will exist on all of them. Um, you know, we, we, we know for sure that Sony is taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we know for a fact that we're going to have console VR in the near future. Um, obviously, mobile VR also exists. Obviously, PC VR also exists. Uh, I think that, you know, taking the taking the 10-year view, I think we'll... I, I, I would say that mobile VR is going to be the dominant form of VR. You know, I, I would love to get my hands on a uh, Gear VR. And I think that that really is kind of the ideal form factor where you're not tied down to your, you know, your PS4 or your high-end PC, mm-hmm. but you have this high-end mobile device, high-end mobile computer that you strap into this faceplate and bam, you got VR. So to me, that's, that's sort of the ultimate thing is this self-contained headset. I know, you know, more than a year ago, Oculus was talking about before Gear VR really came onto the scene, Oculus was talking about like, oh, you know, Ideally, the CV3 or something would be a Android system on a chip, you know, fully self-contained mobile experience that then you can go plug into a computer for super high-end experiences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for as long as mobile isn't everything we need, then I hope that that plug into a PC to have your high-end experience is always there, is always an option, and that seems ideal to me. Uh, I wonder, so do you think... You know, will we see a world without without PCs? Do you think that? Um, and I and I say that. Um, I mean, I say that in the in the, in the sense that, for the vast majority of humans, the the their access to computing and the internet will be through phones. 
so and, and I wonder like whether PC will whether big companies like you know your your Aces, your IBM, your Lenovo will will invest heavily on on PCs as they've been doing once they realize how more power how powerful phones and tablets will will become. I wonder, you know, does that worry you that that the PCs might start getting the short end of the stick as time goes on, or or do you think there will always be, you know, a, a, I don't know. A, well. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there are certain physical limitations that are going to make a all mobile world challenging. Mm -hmm. I mean, batteries aren't getting any better very fast. Heat dissipation is, you know, a physical reality. Like, we're not going to get around the fact that to do computation generates heat. So I, I think a lot of people look at gear specifically, and they say, oh, it has these heat problems, and, you know, hopefully in a few years we'll get over them. We're not, ever. Like, we're always going to have heat issues. Um, so I think that's that's something to take seriously. You know, sure, I'm sure way down the line we'll have things that can do much more and generate much less heat, but it'll always be a factor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that, yeah, I, I think the, the near future vision according to me is that your your phone is you know what, what we what we think of as a phone right now what really is a small computer and will just forever more be a even smaller even better computer uh, i think that will be your you know ultimate computing device and you know I'm, i'm a big fan of android for a lot of reasons specifically one of the reasons is that i can plug it into a screen and a mouse and use it like a computer mm -hmm. and i think as that becomes You know, as that hardware becomes better, I think more serious applications will be will be possible there. Whereas, like right now, I can't run Unity on my phone, but I don't think that, you know, taking the long view here, I don't think that that would be totally ridiculous that you'd have, you know, the equivalent of what's currently a desktop computer in a phone form factor in you know in the nearish future, and be able to, you know, to to think of it in this kind of anachronistic way, be able to plug it into a, a screen and a mouse. But I think more realistically. You know, it, taking yet a longer view here, uh, I think I think that'll just be a, a use of VR and AR, where we have this this little tiny super powerful computer that can display images to our headset or our you know contact lenses, whatever it's going to be. Um, so yeah, I mean the PC isn't going to go away too soon, but I but I, I do think it's just you know part of the the law of technology that it's going to keep getting smaller and, and, and getting better. And there will come a time where we can do, I don't know, anything currently imaginable. And obviously that's limited by what we're currently thinking about, but anything currently imaginable in a phone sized object. Hmm. Tell me about the, um, the, the Boston area VR scene. How is yeah. it? Oh, it's awesome. No, we, we have a great, great community going on oh, here. Awesome. Uh, yeah, specifically there's Boston VR is our, our meetup here and it's awesome. And we have monthly meetups, which usually will have a, a speaker. Uh, last meeting, somebody from Jaunt came to show off some Jaunt demos. Cool. Um, and then, you know, whatever else, Now, whatever the speaker is, we also just have tons of demos. So it's a really good space to you know show what you're working on, get feedback, and see what other people are working on, and, and collaborate. Um, and it's it's very active. I mean, there are I don't know. There's a 
pretty consistent dozen of us who are like actively doing actively doing projects that were you know continuously showing off the updates and then there are lots of people who who come to these meetups they're getting more and more popular and i'm starting to think that we might need to like, like split off a you know boston vr for the public like people come in and see the vr and give us feedback and and you know experience what the future is going to be like and then also a you know boston vr developers group because again i think it's starting to get it's starting to get into this crazy space where people you know normal people from the public want to come in and see what's going on with vr which is awesome i'm all i'm all for that mm-hmm. um so yeah that that group is really great so you know props to boston vr uh and then more more broadly we have a just really vibrant um indie scene here last night was boston indies uh we every other month first it's a demo night that was last night and then every other month is a speaker it'll either be like one person giving a giving a talk or usually it's lightning talks like you know five people will give five minute talks um yeah it's a a really good space to make games and be working on indie stuff and have that kind of support group there and those collaborators there and yeah people people here get it it's really nice how speaking of people like do you you know how do, how how have your family or fr- close friends or and then the average person off the street when you mentioned that you're working in virtual with virtual reality like what, what how are people responding uh i mean i think many of my family and friends have long since gotten sick of hearing me talk about vr <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah um, um the one friend in particular has He's been like, you know that guy in Half Baked who's like, everything's better on weed? Like, have you seen $20 Bill on weed? John Stewart's character. Yeah. Uh, he's like, yeah, you're that guy for VR. <laughs> Just like anything that ever comes up, I'm like, oh, but dude, what a VR. So, yeah, I think I think there's, there's a certain amount of like, oh my God, dude, stop talking about VR. Um, but no, people people get it and they're excited about it. And I think for a while they thought I was just kind of crazy and like, oh no, what's this new tech that John was all hot on now? Um, but more recently, obviously, since the Facebook acquisition and since it's just on the news more often and in the public consciousness more often, I think now people get it of like, oh, okay, yeah, you're working on this thing that that you know everybody's starting to understand really is the next big paradigm. Yeah, it definitely validates what you're doing once you have a company put two billion dollars in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, seriously. And but not yeah, more. That, that was the point for sure. When people start taking it more seriously, like normal people. I honestly, the 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 point at which people, well, well, face, yeah, the whole Facebook thing really, really did it. But there was a few stragglers. There were a few stragglers. Being my 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 cousins, my young, younger cousins, they they think. Augmented reality is going to be a thing. Ha! <laughs> What are they thinking? Um, yeah. But uh, but the thing that brought them uh, along to VR was watching the South Park episode. Um, <laughs> did you watch yeah. it? I did, yeah, of course. What do you think? I thought it was very good. I, I really like what they did with it. I, I was so uh, I was so bummed that at the end of the episode they call it the Oculus. I'm like, no, <laughs> don't don't spread that. It's the Rift, goddammit. Um, no, it was a, it was a great episode. Um, way to work Inception in there, nicely done. I really like that Oculus has had such a good uh, response to it with like answering their support tickets as Steve now. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I it, it, it was really clear that Matt and Trey and and South Park Studios 
really know what they're talking about and have done their homework and really like VR. I mean, I think I was, I was a little worried when I, when I saw they were doing an episode on it, I'm like, Oh man, this is going to like, they're going to tear it apart. They're going to just like rag on it for, for being this, you know, isolating nerd thing. And, you know, they, they certainly had, had plenty of that in there too, but it really, you know, I came away from it just like, these guys really like this. Like this was really a positive thing. Yeah. And, yeah, they they clearly have have put in their their due diligence, and then I was really happy to see at the end of the episode. You know, the, spoiler alert: uh, when the kids take it off, they have the mounted leap, and I'm like, all right, this isn't just like they don't just have the DK two. Like, obviously, they're they're up with the times. Like, they're mm-hmm. they're doing the latest shit, and I bet they're they're aware of you know all the latest things going on in VR. And also, I really appreciate that ending scene because. Uh, my read on it, at least, is wait, are they trying to say that all of South Park takes place inside VR? Because that's the implication at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, especially since they've been doing this continuity thing, right? Like w- lately with their with their episodes, and you know how Randy's Lord, and you know he they continue yeah. the ongoing, you know the ongoing story of how he's Lord, and I yeah, you're right. I think how they leave that off is is that's so interesting how. Yeah, I wonder how they're going to play the next episode. You know, you, you mentioned something interesting. Like, you, you're right. I think that they view VR and, for the most part, Oculus is a very positive thing because if you contra- contrast that, and I, I can't believe we're having a, a conversation, a philosophical conversation about South Park, but it's... But, oh, they, dude, but dude, that's how you're... Yeah, this is the Shakespeare of our times. Um, the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the, the episode with titties and dragons the, where they... <laughs> Where they um they 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 spoofed Game of Thrones and Black Friday. Remember the PlayStation Four Bunduru? Yeah. That that was like yeah. that was the one where they're making fun of the Sony guys. They're making fun of Bill Gates. Um, and I was expecting something like that. I I was like, oh man, when is Palmer gonna show up in this episode? Um, but they but yeah. but no, they just focus on the tech. And what it really made me think about was like these guys are thinking about um. This is going to change reality for people itself. Like, like yeah. this is the implication. I feel like you know because Butters was in there, confused as fuck. Like, where am I? Is this real life? You know. So I feel like they understand the power of the technology. Like, yeah, totally, totally. I and th- yeah, I, I was I was worried. I, I guess I should be specific about my worry. I thought they were gonna just pass it off as some gimmick of like, oh, you have this lame video game device, whatever. But but yeah, exactly as you say. Like they they do see it as this kind of transformative technology that that it is, of course. Yeah, I I, I don't think that will be the last virtual reality episode out of South Park. I'm sure there will be yeah. something coming along in this next couple of years. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Totally. Yeah, man. That this is. Uh, do you, yeah, I guess I'm 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 wondering if you have anything else left in the back of your head that you'd like to bring up uh, before we start bringing things to a close. Um, let's see. Well, I, I have been thinking a lot lately about, you know, I'm, I'm working on this project that is all about creating spaces mm-hmm. and I know I'm not the only one out there doing it. You know, I know there's, there's make VR and there's uh, forgive me, I forget the name of it, but there was that sculpting demo recently. Um, and, and tilt brush of course. And there's, there's a bunch of things that are kind of positioning themselves to be these VR creative tools, creative experiences. And I would like to take this opportunity to publicly say, I would totally love to be interoperable with those other programs. 
Like, I, I haven't talked to any of them yet seriously about this, but like, you know, make VR is a great modeling tool, but there's a lot of other things that, that it can't do that well because it's built on a CAD engine and uh, VRMT is built in Unity. So there's a lot of, you know, more game-like things that, that I have the option to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're a great modeling tool and I don't really want to get into that territory of making modeling tools. Uh, so I would love to be like, Hey, you know, use make VR and make some sweet object and then bring that into VRMT as part of this art pack concept. So yeah, I guess I, I, I hope that this can be the beginning of, you know, like we have in the PC space where there's lots of, there's like a big cloud of software that works very nicely together and that people use interoperably. Um, you know, I, I want to see that start to emerge in VR between all these creative tools. I hope that it's not like a deadly competition, but instead that it's a cooperative thing where we can all build a awesome suite of tools together. So I like I that. that out there. Yeah. I like your style, man. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I like your style very much. It's six cents. If you're listening, this man is a scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. You should, you should listen. <laughs> um, what about one last question? You know, what about animation? What about the ability to create animations in VR? Is that, is that too far ahead in the future, or are you starting to think about those things yet? Uh, yeah, I haven't really put much thought into that for this project. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of how it would work. I mean, I I suppose it wouldn't be too crazy to have a timeline there, and then you know, a basic animation, just like I'm going to move this object from point A to point B over some number of seconds. That wouldn't be like ridiculous to try to set up in this immersive interface. I, I think that might be something that like I'm having a hard time picturing an interface right now, just off the top of my head, uh, that would work better than a traditional interface. Um, so I think that's sort of the challenge there. Of like, I, I was talking much earlier about <clears throat> technology in search of a function kind of being troubled technology mm-hmm. like i i want to do stuff because it genuinely works better in this context or like this context gives it some you know some oomph, some angle it didn't have before and right now animation seems to me like something that is better i can also picture skeletal animation um, it would be complicated, but I can kind of picture a, a timeline of how, how that might work in a VR interface. So, so I lost you for two seconds. You said VR would be better to do what? Uh, well, I was just saying I, I want to use VR to do things that are, are better done in VR than okay. done in a traditional context. In oh. animation, I'm having a hard time picturing a better VR interface than a traditional animation interface. Mm. But I, I'm curious. I, I'll be thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's it's yeah. I wonder that. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's a very interesting and I'm sure a very difficult question to see how you will be able to nail that down. But um, yeah. if anybody can, I'm sure you are the man. Uh, I'll see what I can do about it. <laughs> There's one other thing I wanted to bring up uh, before we got off. Sure. Which is, I know we talked a little bit about input before we got started, or, or you know earlier in conversation rather. Um, but I, I want to take a moment here to speculate at what the input situation is going to be. And I think the main issue to me, the, the elephant in the room to me is Sony with Morpheus very clearly has the whole package figured out 
where you know we got the headset, we got the move controllers, we yeah. got the PlayStation Eye, we got the the PlayStation doing the actual stuff. Um, so that's that's very much a full package. When you look at presently what Oculus has put on the table, it's it's not that. And obviously, you know, it being a PC peripheral as opposed to a part of a console, like by its nature, it's not going to be just like a, a one box situation. But I do think that that they're in a in a tight spot here of like there has to be an input solution. We, you know, it's 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 wild west in input right now, and like mm-hmm. there's there's got to be something. And they've been very clear about you know they may release a headset without input figured out because they're not going to wait if they have a good headset but don't have input figured out. They're not going to wait on releasing that headset. Um, but here's my speculation. I think I hope that. Oculus builds in a leap or a leap-like device, just builds it directly into CV1. So, you know, everybody, when they put the headset on, they immediately put their hands out and, oh, where are my hands? Uh, so I think that, you know, ought to be addressed and that ought to be embraced, that where is my hands question. Sorry, where are my hands question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that there is a built-in, a built-in leap or leap-like device. But then there's the the added bonus of like, well, like hand optical hand controlling isn't really the the best thing in terms of precision and you know I, I've had a hard time getting the leap skeletal tracking to really do what I want to do for one thing, but also just like buttons and sticks mm-hmm. are important. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm kind of hoping here that there's like a two step solution from Oculus. I'm talking first party stuff here, where again there's a, a leap like device built into the headset. And then also there is a, you know, hydro-like, stem-like, control VR-like thing, physical controller that you can optionally use on top of it. So just want to throw that out there. Let's explore this a little further. Now you've got me, now you've enticed me, now we, we, now we must. Um, because here's the thing, if, if Oculus releases this thing, the, the Rift, without an input, you know what do you think could happen? You know what are what are the, what are the best case scenarios and what is the worst case scenario? And then we're going to explore th- the other route. I think worst case scenario potentially. I, I don't really see any serious contenders here, but potentially somebody else could come along with a headset and controller combo that would be more um, attractive to normal consumers who aren't like major VR geeks like us who like know what all the options are and know the pros and cons of the different options. Uh, you know, if, if somebody else comes out with a comparable headset and a good controller, a good input solution out of the box, I think that could have the potential of, uh, you know, making a big dent in Oculus's sales, Oculus's abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, best, Best case, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I, I could see Oculus putting out the headset and not a controller because, again, they've, they've said that they may do that. And it seems more and more likely as it looks like we're kind of approaching CV1 time and there's still no controller in sight and they can't just drop it on us on the last day because the developers need to actually have time to do something with it. Uh, so I, I guess what they're hoping for, if they are going to go ahead and do that, is that, you know, the market will figure it out. Of There will be a couple of years of just mayhem in the controller space mm-hmm. and then you know two years from now we'll say oh okay you know the stem is the solution and that that's the thing now or or something else um yeah but to me it just comes down to two camps like it's, it's either optical like the leap or it's physical like the stem and mm-hmm. 
I, I don't know. I, I, I think for a while, that's those are going to be the two viable you know, routes to go down. Let's explore the other parallel universe in which Oculus releases the Rift with an input device. Great. What is the best case scenario? What is the worst case scenario in that situation? Well, I think the speculation I've laid out is my hopeful best case scenario where you, know, you have the optical tracking built in. So you just stick the Rift on, you can see your hands and hey, as a bonus, let's do some inside out position tracking so you don't need the external camera. But you know, I know Carmack's working on that and it's a hard problem and I don't you know, expect to see it in the next year. Um, and then, you know, like, like I said earlier, and then you optionally have this, this physical controller as well. That is a stem or a control VR like device. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, full, full body tracking would be awesome, but I don't really see that happening too, too soon unless Oculus just goes like full bore on the external camera. And it's like, you know what? It's a, it's an awesome connect now and attracts the head position as well as your entire body. Like that's the one case in which I would condone the external camera continuing to exist for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to me that that's the best case scenario, optical inside out tracking plus optional physical controller. You, you know what? I've been, um, I've been thinking about the input device question since the very beginning. I, I feel like yeah. since the beginning of the podcast and I, and I, um, I, I might sound a bit, um, cocky for saying this but i've nailed it i i know what it is i know what it it has to be the nintendo power glove brother (laughs) you gotta bring that back man i'm uh, and here's the reason why it sounds silly but it's actually it might work because the thing about the the leap in control vr is the fact that you don't have buttons you don't have you know you're you're just it's just your hands floating in space and right and then the thing about the move controllers or the the hydra the stem is the fact that you it's not your hands yeah and and so for that it, it it separates you just a little bit from immersion from from being there and so why can't you just have a glove with buttons, it, and maybe, maybe it doesn't have to look like the power glove. Maybe you just put a a button on the index finger on the side of the in- index finger. So you just like with your thumb hit the index finger to like you know to right click, and on your left hand, and you hit the other index finger to left click. Like you know, like yeah. it doesn't have to be like insanely complicated either but again, all of this is super new. So what the fuck am I talking about? Um, it's just. <laughs> well- that, that's that's a totally good call. Yeah, I mean, a, a glove, a data glove with buttons would be awesome for sure. Uh, what about you? Remember the Mayo that armband? Yes, was on Kickstarter a while ago. I I've never used one, and I'm pretty skeptical of new things I see on Kickstarter. But you know, what if that kind of device actually works really well, and you just have this thing on your upper arm that is tracking your muscle movement, and then. Yeah, you can see your hands, maybe through that device, maybe through, you know, leap-like optical tracking. Mm-hmm. And then with that device, you know, as advertised, you can, like, touch your index finger to your palm, and it can detect that. So, like, that could be a button where, like, I, I close my hand and I, I press my different fingers to my hand. Again, not having anything in my hands. My hands are still just my hands, but this thing can pick up on my hands touching themselves. Hmm. Yeah, that's an it, Carmack. I think it was Carmack who was saying just things like the mile provide negative latency. So, because uh, it picks up, so because it's at the, at the at the by your forearm. So even before the electrical signal gets to the tip of your finger, the move of your finger, like your that thing already picked it up. 
And so it's yeah. it's that's insane. That's that's like fucking uh, mind control or mind reading device already. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course that's just like this, this is all a big stopgap, right? Like, ultimately, we want the nerve gear, we want the the brain jack. Yes. <laughs> like, at the at the end of the road, that's what we're getting at here. Is it's just a full on brain override device, which has has lots of ins and outs and lots of scary aspects to it. But, you know, that seems like the the ultimate answer here is just something that that is reading your your thoughts, for lack of a better term. Yeah, because I'm lazy. And I, again, I I don't just see when I said, you know, um, the Hydra uh, makes my non-masturbating arm tired, like, you know, that that's it, the keyboard and mouse also makes me tired. I, I I just want to think of something and have it materialize before my eyes. And well, I think I think what you need is to start jerking off with both hands. <laughs> that's that's the issue. <laughs> I think I think you solved all my problems. <laughs> Here we go. Glad I could help. Thank you, thank you. you. I, <laughs> uh, um, I don't think I have anything else to say after this. <laughs> Jonah Forbes, you have been a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. How can people stay in touch? How can they, you know, follow what you're doing and support all the cool things you're up to? Sure, yeah. Uh, we are DefectiveStudios.com on the internet and at Defective Games on Twitter. Unfortunately, Studios was too long for Twitter. So at Defective Games there. Um, and Defective Studios on Facebook. Uh, so yeah, all, all of those places, probably, probably Twitter is the best place. I mean, Facebook, you know, we all know is kind of taking a shit on itself lately, which is too bad. Not they own Oculus. Hey. Um, but in terms of, you know, letting you actually reach your, your audience. So I'm going to say Twitter and our website for now. And there's also a mailing list on the website. If you go to the then you go to sorry, defectivestudios.com. I should really enunciate that when advertising it to people. Uh, and then you go to VRMT, then there's a mailing list on that page. And that's like the most reliable way to get in touch with people I have found because you, know, you can't count on other people's platforms to get your message out. So defectivestudios.com, there's a mailing list there. Otherwise, at Defective Games on Twitter. Do it. Sweet. All those, uh, all that awesome and relevant information will be included in the show notes. Uh, once again, yes. you've been listening to Enter VR and Jono. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, man. It's been a pleasure.